raise the bar on health and live with maximum vitality. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. Andrea is a Bali-based naturopath redefining health as living with maximum vitality. Tune in for practical life advice and start aligning with what your body wants. Our bodies are trying to talk to us. Let's listen. So, you ready to hear what we're going to talk about tonight? Because the new year was coming up, I thought it would be a good idea to do one of these reprioritization sessions. Who feels like they might be uh, in need of reprioritizing health? You've kind of let that go on the back burner. I saw some hands go up really fast and then other people had to think about it. Yeah, reprioritizing health. Because what, it, what is that old adage? Health is your greatest wealth, right? And yet many of us, especially ask the CEOs, right? They pursue wealth in lieu of their health. And then they find that they die at a young age of heart failure, of other stress-related conditions, right? And what is life if it's not lived to its utmost? And so one of perhaps my greatest mission in the work I do is to help raise the bar on understanding what health is so that we're not just looking at health as absence of disease, but rather we're looking at health as so much more, as that feeling of aliveness and vitality that you had perhaps when you were five or six years old, that feeling of really being able to do anything, go anywhere, create anything, live life just for the sake of living, right? And so how, when was the last time you guys felt like that? Just ask yourself, rhetorical question. No expectations. When was that last time you had that fervor? Someone's like, yesterday? I had it yesterday. What are you talking about? Right? Maybe it was a while ago. So no judgment either way. It's just really good that as we're going into a new year, we can say, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe we can do so with a little bit more energy. Who wants more energy? That's usually why we practice yoga, to cultivate prana, or life force energy. And so for sure, everything you do, every choice you make, and every moment of your day is either feeding your energy or taking it away. And that's every person you talk to. That's every lecture you go to. That's every yoga class you attend. That's every bite of food you put in your mouth. That's every sip of water you take. And so maybe you want to spend a day, maybe a whole week, and say, okay, everything I do, I'm going to assess afterwards whether it gave me energy or it took away energy. And allow it to be a really honest assessment, because some of you might think that white powdered substances like sugar or cocaine give you energy, right? But when you really look at it from a big picture perspective, you realize that after that give, there's a lot of take. Okay. So... In lieu of the new year, or in, in, not in lieu of the new year, but in expectation of the new year, I thought that this reprioritization session could be centered around what I call my top 10 things for a healthier life. Yeah? So, these are in no necessarily specific order, in somewhat of an important order, but we'll just let them go. Alright? So number one, top 10 things for a healthier life is hydration. Hydration. So this is something that we simply cannot live without. The human body is made up of 60 to 90% water. That's more than mostly water. And yet, this is something we just assume, oh, I'll wait till I'm thirsty. When indeed we don't know what thirsty feels like, or perhaps when we're actually thirsty, it's too late. 
We allow water to become stagnant in our body year after year. Most of us are in a great deficit of dehydration. And that never is able to reset until we come on some kind of cleansing or fasting program where we take away all the things that dehydrate us, right? Like salty food, right? food that's too overly cooked, dried, fried. Foods that are inherently salty, like animal products, constricting in nature. Foods that themselves have been dried, like bread or baked goods. Now, all of these have a dehydrating effect on the human body. They require water from the body to digest. Moreover, when we look at it, we're going to look at certain liquids are definitely dehydrating. Alcohol yeah. will dehydrate to at least double its volume in water. Coffee, you remember that one? How much does it dehydrate? Four times its volume in water. And the reason for that is to flush away the toxic poison that it is. That's why coffee is a laxative. It's a slight poison to the body. So the body requires a lot of water to flush it out. Does that make sense? Something to be aware of. It also leaches calcium from the bones because it's so acidic. It's also addictive. It's also an external or unnatural stimulant. Lots of things that we're unsure about there. But anyway... Let's not get distracted. We're talking about number one thing for a healthier life, hydration. Actually making a commitment. And so the human body uses and loses three liters of water a day. That's the minimum that we need to replace if we want to get out of deficit. Yeah. And so my advice to you is to find a water bottle that you love and make sure it's always full. Know how much in volume that is so that you can start to track actually how much you're drinking. And this can be one of the most valuable things you ever do. We talk all the time about eating healthy, right, and good food and all that, but we ignore water. And yet the human body can thrive and survive for 40 to 50 days on water alone. That's what we as natural hygienists do. We do long-term water fasting. Well, that long without food? No problem. That long without water, not so much. You see, unless you're a great Indian sage and you have other sources of prana. I don't think anyone in this room. Maybe you'll surprise me. I don't know. All right, so when we look at this, drinking more water. I recommend that of those three liters, you have a liter or a liter and a half in the morning before you even think about the word breakfast. Yeah, Wake up and flush everything that your body detoxified throughout the night. How amazing is that? What a different start to the day. Beyond that, the kind of water, the quality of water that we drink is very important. Natural mineral spring water is the type of water that every living being on this earth, including my little puppy dog that trampled in here before, we're all supposed to be drinking natural mineral spring water. But we have low, very low, quite low quality of water today that people are having, especially tap water riddled with pharmaceutical traces. Water, where all the minerals have been taken out of it, like we have here in Bali. And so there's a really great website that I give to as many people as I can. It's findaspring.com. It's a map of springs all over the world, natural springs, and you can drive out into the countryside, get your big canisters of water, and fill up. Amazing. So from there, the last thing I'll say about water is to drink it on an empty stomach. Water is meant to be drunk alone and on an empty stomach. So not with food. And some of you might say, well, why? Well, I encourage you to look at my food combining lecture, download that online, and uh, you'll understand a lot more about how things digest in the stomach. But in short, in general, we don't want to dilute the gastric juices 
in the stomach, and that's what water would do if you had it with food. And secondarily, you want to say, well, hey, what are you eating that you feel that need to drink? Is the food that you're eating too overly cooked, dried, or fried? Or were you so dehydrated before you started eating that you felt that need to hydrate while eating? So just reflect. These are all things for reflection. So seriously, I like I cannot tell you that in the past eight months, I've gotten more and more courageous to say more and more that I think most maladies and most disease in the world today stems back at its very root to dehydration. And so if you want to take a step in preventative health, right, in changing everything and taking 10 years off of your face, in discovering how much more freely your body can move, hydration could be the answer. So try it. Don't believe me. Verify me with anything that I say ever. All right, so that's number one. Top ten things for a healthier life, number two. Anyone have any guesses? It's number two. Ah, (laughs) poop. More. More. So those of you who have been in my classes before, how often are we supposed to poop? Once per meal per day. Something goes in, something should come out. Just like babies, just like dogs, this should be a big news flash to most of you. Because we tend to hold our health, in scare quotes, standards, to unhealthy society. In a healthy working body, if it comes in, something goes out. Yeah, That's how the muscular system of peristalsis works. When there's swallow happening, there's a muscular echo that happens all the way down to your bum. Yeah, I just posted a video today on my Facebook page. Did anyone see it? Yeah, Sandra saw it. Awesome. About transit time. That's the amount of time it takes to go from mouth to anus. So I'll leave that as a cliffhanger. And you have to go and check out the the Facebook page to watch that video. But in general, number two healthier life thing that you must do is poop more. Any proud three poopers in the room? Three times a day? Woo! Yeah, girl. All right, a few of you. Yeah, we got three. So that's about my average because I've been saying somewhere between 85 to 90% of the world is constipated. And that's the data that we just took here. That's the data that I've taken epidemiologically in more than 25 countries. That's the data of thousands, literally thousands of colonic intake forms from my clinics in here and other countries worldwide. I forgot to tell you that bias. Sorry. I have a bias toward the large intestine. I'm a career colon hydrotherapist, and I'm the director of the colonics clinic here. And so elimination is probably our biggest crutch or our biggest shortfalling today as human beings. And this is one of the biggest reasons why we are so sick. And one of the biggest reasons why we're so constipated is because we're so dehydrated. (laughs) Voila, it's a system. It fits together. It's really, actually easy, simple, and clear. Okay, so... Ways to poop more are to hydrate, right? To squat. In this position, this is how we were meant to be defecating. It's also how we're meant to have a baby. It's called malasana in yoga. Yeah. So get a stool or get a rubbish bin. Put it under your feet. You don't have to buy a squatter toilet. Don't worry. That would be crazy, right? And just prop up your feet so your knees are up here toward the shoulders. There's a muscle that wraps around the very end of the digestive tract. It's called the puba rectalis muscle. And this muscle's tight when you're standing or when you're sitting because it doesn't want you to poop in your pants. Thank goodness. As soon as you bring your knees up toward your shoulders, voila, that muscle loosens, creating a clear passageway. There's a lot more that's going on in the biomechanics there. The quadriceps engage. The pelvic floor engages in a way for elimination. 
We also have the ascending and the descending colon here, which are held up by nothing else than fascia, than skin tags, right? And so having that support of the thighs right there in the squatting position makes everything flow a lot more easy, right? It makes the colon feel more supported and ready to release. So again, don't believe me, verify me. Try it out, squat it out, see how it goes. Uh, other things required for pooping more are definitely greatly increasing the amount of probiotics that you're taking. I recommend both pill form and food form, every single day food form, making your own, okay? So that stuff you guys can research online. Yeah, Check out probiotic foods, make your own kimchi, sauerkraut, miso, coconut yogurt, cool things like that. If you're on holiday, which most of you are now, head down to the juice bar. We have uh, coconut yogurt there made by the company called Key for Life. It is the most effective probiotic that I've ever found worldwide. You'll know that a probiotic's effective if it sends you to the toilet within a half hour to an hour after eating it. Yeah, pooping, not peeing. Yeah. Good. All right. And then the number three way to poop more is to simply give yourself time to make time to go to the toilet when you don't even think you have to. Three times a day to squat there. Get your mind off of things, play a game or read a book, and just breathe and make time. All right? So that's a humongous New Year's resolution to poop more. I encourage you to share that one with your friends and family and encourage them to join you. Because that single-handedly could pretty much save you years of medical bills, let alone distress from getting sick later in life, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, up until 19... 80s, more or less, it was known in mainstream media, 1982, Chicago Saturday Evening Post, breast cancer linked to constipation. You know, it was obvious, right? You're not allowing things, toxins to go, and so they're being withheld in the body. But somehow today, people are so disconnected from that. But I challenge you, ask any woman or man, because men can get breast cancer, that you know how often they poop. It's highly likely the answer is like two or three times a week. Yeah, maybe every other day, every day, but certainly not multiple times per day. Yeah, so check in with that. Dehydration, of course, is a humongous correlating factor. Okay, ready for number three. Top ten things for a healthier life. Number three, alkalize. Alkalize. Literally change the chemistry inside of your bloodstream and inside of your body. And the way to do this is to add green to your life and to your diet. So I'll bring you back to high school chemistry class. You have the acid alkaline scale. Do you remember this? It goes from 0 to 14. 7 is neutral. So anything from 0 to 7 is going to be acidic, like battery acids, like a 1. Yeah, Coffee is like a 2 or a 3. We come all the way up to 7. It's neutral. And then we look at 7 to 14. Those are the alkaline side of the chart. All right, and we have 7.34, more or less, is the pH, or the potent hertz, of human blood, okay? Slightly alkaline. And so, we realize that most of the things in our world today are quite acidic. Stress, traffic, right, coffee, alcohol, cooked foods in general, bread, grains, definitely any animal products, quite acidic. And then we look at the alkaline side of the chart. Of course, emotions like love and joy and happiness and laughter, these will be alkalizing on the body. Right? We also have certain foods here. Fruits and vegetables. Those are alkalizing. 
I always make the joke that I bet you've never heard fruits and vegetables are good for you. And so we find here that fruits are somewhere there in the 7, 8, 9 range. And then in the 8, 9, 10 range of alkalinity are our leafy green vegetables. And what happens when those come into the body is that they recharge and detoxify the blood. Literally, we have an exchange here. Hemin, which is the color in hemoglobin, human blood, is nearly molecularly identical to chlorophyll, which is plant-made food. It's like plant blood. So when these two come into contact, they literally recharge and cleanse each other, switch places. So number three, top ten things for a healthier life is to green up your life. However you want to do that. If that's having a green juice every morning, if that's having a salad at lunch, and I'm not talking about a side salad, I'm talking about 20 side salads. When I eat salad, I eat two family-sized bowls. Right. Imagine all of that blended up. It would be like that much. Right. How do you want to do it? Do you want to eat cooked greens? We're in a fantastic country to eat cooked leafy greens. <laughs> Indonesia has so many incredible varieties of cooked leafy green vegetables. Right? Go get a plate of 16 of them and try them all out. That was a little bit of an exaggeration. Go get a plate of five of them <laughs> and try them all out. Yeah. So however you want to do it. Number three, top way to reprioritize your health in this new year, green it up. All right, top 10 things for a healthier life, number four. This is the first place that we get to eliminating things. And number four is to eliminate processed foods and stimuli. All right, and so here we are. We're saying, you know what, this stuff just doesn't serve me anymore. If anyone follows on the Facebook page just yesterday, I posted an article about uh, sugar and how it has a more dampening effect on the brain than cocaine, right? It literally kills brain cells. Now, I always compare the two jokingly, but people are actually doing studies now. I, I think it's great. They must have heard my lecture. So. Okay, so there we go. Eliminating processed foods and stimuli. Most, if not all, processed foods will contain white sugar. And this is including things that you wouldn't normally think of. If you eat at restaurants, you're almost always eating white sugar. If it's not directly added to the recipe of the food, then it'll be in the sauce, in the bottled sauce that they add, right? Let alone additives, preservatives, things that are literally neurotoxins in the body. I mean, everyone knows from the great uh, 90 or 60 minute special in the United States in the 90s about MSG, monosodium glutamate, right? This neurotoxin. Well, there are so, so, so many more neurotoxins and additives and preservatives. And processed foods are just laden with them. And so there comes a time where we have to say that there's food and there's food-like products. And those are not the same thing. And that anything made in a laboratory needs to be digested in a laboratory. And that things grown from the earth, things that are whole foods in their entirety, are what the body knows, understands, and can digest. And this is simple stuff that you probably know. My invitation to you is simply that you start applying it. It's pretty powerful. Okay. So when I talk about processed foods and stimuli, I'm not only talking about food. I'm also talking about the input. Things like the TV shows you watch, the films you choose to sit in front of, the people you surround yourself with, even the music that you listen to. 
Has anyone ever noticed that a digital music track is so different than live music? Yeah? There's vibrations that happen, and when it gets to digital, the vibrations are all compressed, and it does not have the same effect at a cellular level. It might still make you groove and dance with the beats, but if anyone's attended our Wednesday night sound medicine with Shervin, highly, highly, highly recommended Wednesday nights here at the Yoga Barn, you can actually feel the vibrations and their healing effect at a cellular level. And his teacher, Fabien Maman, has done studies looking at the effect on cells from certain vibration. And so perhaps number four, top ten things for a healthier life, eliminate processed foods and stimuli. Maybe this means go see live music more often. Maybe it means learn how to play an instrument so you can have some sound healing on yourself. Right? Come to my class on Thursday at 3, Nanda Yoga, and we'll talk about using the voice box for cellular healing. Cool. Okay, top ten things for a healthier life. Number five, sleep. Sleep. Sleep full. Sleep whole. Give yourself the full space to sleep like a baby. We need different amounts of sleep at different times in our lives. Yeah, a toddler or an infant will need much, much, much more sleep, right? 16 to 18 hours. When we come up through um, being more or less toddler, 3, 4, 5 age, you're going to need a little less than that, maybe 14 to 16 hours, right? When we come up to teenage years, you still need about, I don't know, 11, 12 hours of sleep. Everyone always gives teenagers a hard time, like they sleep too much, they need more sleep. And then once we get to human adult age, we need anywhere from 7 to 9 hours of sleep. And so I highly recommend the number right there in the middle, 8, 8 hours of sleep. Check yourself out, test yourself, see how much sleep you need. Eat dinner early enough so that you're not sleeping off during digestion time, right? And then see what time you wake up naturally. And do that at a good experimental time, two weeks. And then see how much sleep do you need. I would guess it's between seven to nine hours of sleep. If you need less, I would check in with your nervous system and see if perhaps you have an underlying anxiety disorder going on that can't be calmed. And if you need more sleep than that, then I would check in with your entire body and seeing if it needs to seriously shut down like it did after Christmas dinner. Right? What is your diet and lifestyle like? Are you detoxifying naturally by pooping enough, by hydrating enough, by sweating enough, by moving, all of these things, or not? Right? So in this eight hours per night, I encourage you to reserve it. Reserve it in a way that you know you're going to go to sleep, and I don't mean start brushing your teeth, I mean head on pillow, eyes closed in dream world, go to sleep early enough so that eight hours after that you can wake up naturally without the use of an alarm. And that's pretty pretty big because if we think about it, the alarm its what takes us from this deep state of subconscious into our waking conscious state. Right? And if the bridge between those is, ah, 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 how do you think your day is going to be? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Not great. I know that today they have beautiful harps and things for alarms, but I would encourage you to actually allow your own sleep cycle to finish so that your body knows when it wants to wake up and you can get back on the same team as your body and allow it to wake up how and when it wants to. And some of you might think, oh my God, but no, I'll be late to work. I can't do that. Okay, so still set your alarm, but set it for the very last time that you could possibly wake up. And then another thing here is I encourage you, if you wake up at like five or six in the morning, Wake up and stay up. Don't wake up and go back to sleep. That's going to shift things drastically. 
Maybe that night you'll get less, fewer hours of sleep. But then I encourage you the following evening to go to bed earlier. And then that can switch things and get you in a new cycle. Because we're meant, of course, to go to sleep at dusk and wake up at dawn. The sun was our original light switch until these things were invented a few hundred years ago. Now we just, you know, the sun goes down, we turn this sun on. And we can have a few more hours to boogie and party in the night. But that's had a tremendous effect upon our well-being. When we look at the medicines of modern civilization, and I call them modern medicines, even though we often mistake them for ancient medicines, things like Chinese medicine or Ayurveda, right? Even Tibetan medicine or Siddha medicine in South India, right? These medicinal systems give us advice for living in civilization because they're really only two, three, four, five thousand years old. And that's pretty new in the scope of human history. I go back three and a half million years in time when I study humanity and natural living, right? So these are quite modern, and they're teaching us advice to learn how to live in civilization, in cities. And in their advice, they say, Ayurveda says you have to be sleeping on your pillow in dream world by latest 10 p.m. This is when the kapha energy, or the heavy, dense, fixed energy is most active. Chinese medicine gives you one more hour. (laughs) Yeah, it's between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. That's when the qi, or the life force energy, is running through the triple warmer meridian on the backs of your arms. It has to do with the heart. It has to, doesn't it sound cozy, triple warmer? It's like a good sleeping bag you get to cozy up in, right? When that meridian has qi flowing through it is when it's a susceptible time to go to bed, to fall asleep, to be heralded into dream world, okay? So that means Chinese medicine says, on head on pillow, eyes closed in dream world by latest 11 o'clock. That doesn't mean you start brushing your teeth at 11 o'clock, right? That means that maybe 9.30, you're getting ready for bed. Also in Chinese medicine, they look at the hours between 9 p.m. and 12 a.m. as hours worth double their weight in time of sleep value because of the organ systems and the meridians that the qi is running through during those hours. So this means going to bed earlier. And what is the old proverb? Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. So we're all about proverbs tonight. (laughs) Okay, here we are, number six. Top ten things for a healthier life in this new year. Number six is going to be eliminating stress. Some of you might think, oh my God, you have no idea what my life is like in London or Shanghai or Milan, right? It's stressful let alone New York City or Los Angeles. Yeah, well, guess what, guys? Life is always going to be stressful. Welcome to the 21st century. But here we are. We can look back to me stuck for 20 minutes on Hanuman in all that traffic. It's a choice whether we allow the stressors to come in and affect us or not. All we have to do is change our perspective. So when I was rushing here, I said, okay, look, I'm going to be late. You know what? That's okay. Because whatever it is, it's okay. Right? We'll find a way to work it out. So rather than eliminating stress, can we change the perspective on the stress? So first, we don't see it as a bad thing. There's a whole great TED talk about this. I forget the woman's name, but you can look at like stress and TED talk, and I'm sure it'll come up. And her studies showed that it wasn't the actual stressor that caused disease. It was the fact that people thought stress was a bad thing. It was what they thought about stress that caused the disease. 
So again, the stressor will always be there. It's simply a matter of how you approach it. Yeah. It's a choice how we perceive the world. And really, you can do anything that you believe you can. So all you need is that quality of belief. Yeah. All right, top 10 things for a healthier life. Number seven, fall in love. So I don't expect you to come back next December with a wedding ring on or something like that. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying fall in love with life. Fall in love with whatever you see. You saw that little black puppy dog running here, right? She is my love. She makes me experience love every single day. That's a constant reminder of love. In fact, another one of the reasons why I was running late is because she ran away and she was lost. And then when I finally found her, she jumped up on my bike and I started driving and then she jumped off again, right? And I was like, Ria! And I just couldn't be mad at her because I love her so much, right? And even when I'm mad at her, that feeling of tremendous amounts of love, that's inside of me, right? And the physiological effect that that has on my body is priceless. And so, this is that dose of medicine that you could never buy. Whatever it is that brings up that sentiment, that feeling of love and aliveness inside of you. And so this is, if it's one of your best friends who makes you laugh uncontrollably, right? Make a date with them every single week. And no matter what, do not cancel. If this is being in an environment, perhaps being outside in the nature, right? If this is doing something you love, Right? If this is, maybe it's falling in love with a romantic partner. Another thing for me is the housekeeping staff here at the yoga barn. You know, the people who roll up the yoga mats and all of that. I love them so much. And every time I see them, I'm just reminded of like that love, that feeling of like, God, I love you. And so who is that for you? What is that for you? Where is that for you? I want you to make a list. Things I love, <laughs> right? And make sure you have at least five of them in your life every single day because this has a physiological effect. Yeah. I wouldn't even call this preventative medicine. I would call this daily medicine. All right. Top 10 things for a healthier life. Number eight, laugh. So another physiological effect. Right. And I would add in here number eight, laughter is a movement of the diaphragm whereby it's pulsing. And the physiological effect of that is that you have blood flow increase all throughout the body, right? It, of course, has certain releases of hormones in the brain, right? If we're talking about love, which was the previous number, it would be oxytocin, right? If we're talking about laughter, it would be things like serotonin, right? Perhaps even dopamine, depending. These are happy chemicals which make us feel good. You know, it feels good to laugh. Yes? You can laugh. Don't worry. I will talk about poo more if you need to laugh more. Good. So this laughter is, is irreplaceable. So if that means that you're looking up a comedy skit or something, or you're putting in a, a funny, I, like I only watch romantic comedies anymore. I, I just, those are the only ones to watch. And so when we find out that we can laugh more and you can actually make yourself do that, that's another one of these doses of medicine. So at least once a week, I want you to be laughing. For an hour, you can do double time. If the person that you love makes you laugh, right? You're doing two at once, that's great. Um, but the other thing that I would put in here with the laughter, I talked about how it was movement of the diaphragm, is actual movement of the body. Yeah. So allow that to extend through every cell. You guys are yogis, so I know you already know this, right? But movement is integral 
to a healthier life. And so that's every single day. If you think about us in the wild, we were walking, we were moving, we were picking things up and picking things from trees, right? We were in movement in all directions, side to side, back and forth, twisting at all times throughout the day. It wasn't just three times a week when you go to yoga. And so how can you create situations where you have more movement in your life, right? Cycling to work, walking places instead of driving, right? Playing with children, that's a huge one. Playing with dogs, that's another huge one. You guys can come and babysit my dog anytime. Just ask, okay? Good. Top 10 things for a healthier life. Number nine, family. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Always continue healing. No matter who they are, no matter how much of a headache they give you, these are people who for one reason or another you were incarnated with. You were born into bonds with. You share blood with. And that's something that simply cannot be cut off or divorced. And so, whomever they are, whatever it is that they bring up inside of you, they are here to teach you the greatest lessons of all. And our disenfranchisement by them or of them or toward them or our feelings that we have of distrust or disgust. These are things that have indeed a great effect also on our physiology. And so there comes a time where we have to start healing. And so something that I would recommend for this is something I practice and I've been studying for about six years now is family constellations. You might have heard of them incredible way to tap into the morphogenetic field and allow the energies of whatever your family relationships are to unravel themselves and open your heart to the learning that you have, that we have, that we all have from these bonds. Because there is no such thing as a healthy life if you don't get along with your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister. Top 10 things for a healthier life, number 10. So we're at the end of the list here. And this is at the heart of pretty much all spiritual teachings. It's the word acceptance. And I share with you here my own personal mantra, which is whatever it is, it's okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. And what that means is that you're safe everywhere and every time. And that's really big. And the example I give for this is if you imagine going out, walking out onto Hanuman and seeing a tour bus coming right at you. And as it comes at you, in the last few seconds of your life in this human body, this lifetime around, in those last split seconds, if you have a complete panic attack, what way is that going to be to leave the world? Versus if you can have this calm of whatever it is, it's okay. And then you leave this world. <laughs> what a difference is that? And so if we can remind ourselves this at all moments, whatever it is, it's okay. That can have a tremendous impact upon switching back to what we call the parasympathetic nervous system, the relaxation response. And that is what's required for healing and a healthy life.
<sighs> so let's breathe that one out. <sighs> cool. So we, we actually have a bunch of time now for questions. I don't normally go through it with notes like that, but it's good because it keeps me concise. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, cool. So we also have, we have some Irish blokes in the back that were saying how dark and dreary it was all the time and never seeing the sunlight. Um, so, yeah, this is a great question. I'm going to say, first of all, that I don't have an answer. The thing is that humans have been living at far north and south latitudes for far too little amount of time for us to conclusively say, yes, this is right, or no, that's not right. What we do know is that darkness and lightness are what creates release of serotonin and melatonin out of the pineal gland in the brain. And so, yeah, I, I'm just going to encourage you to experiment with this. In, in general, we as humans were born into the equatorial regions of the earth. We are meant to be living in this tropical fruit forest like Bali. So you guys can come and move to Bali with me, okay? But until you do that, when you're still living in these dreary parts of the world, right? I don't know why I do that, right? Uh, we can look and say... Well, this dawn to dusk thing, this is a framework. Let me try to follow that. And let me just observe. Remember, I was talking about that sleeping experiment for like a week or two weeks. Just see how much your body wants to sleep. In the winter, see if it maybe wants to sleep nine hours. In the summer, see if it only wants to sleep seven. And that's going to have your answer. Your body has way more answers than my brain or my ability to channel the answers could ever have. Yeah? So experiment. Yeah, love. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. Most vibrant energy. So come back on January 11th. Um, I mean, I'll answer now, but I'm saying come back for, for a full answer. If you can't come then, then you can listen to my food combining lecture off the podcast series. Um, accessible from my website, liveforvitality.com. What you'll find is we're talking about transit time through the organ of the stomach. So that idea of like, okay, after Christmas dinner, I felt really tired, right? What kind of dinner is going to make me feel not so tired? Well, the logical answer, conclusion from that, is the kind of dinner that's going to move through the stomach really fast and require the least amount of energy, all right? And so the fastest digesting foods indeed are... Fruits and vegetables. Yeah, you haven't even been to my lectures before. I love it. See, it's simple. It's super, super simple. We knew that they were always good for us, but we maybe didn't understand why. But not only are these the fastest digesting foods, not only are these the foods that alkalize us, right? And alkalinity is what creates health. Acidity is what creates a ripe environment for disease. I didn't say that before. So not only do they alkalize us, not only do they hydrate us, not only are they for the fastest digesting foods, the ones that our body knows how to digest, they're also the ones that make us poop. Right? They bulk up our bowel movement and make it easier to move through. These are just like gold mines. 
Right? Fruits and vegetables. It's so super simple. I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know. I'm just putting it in hopefully a context that your body can start to listen to. All right? No, so I told you guys, go try cooked greens here in Indonesia, right? If that's what's gonna, what it's going to take to get you to eat greens, by all means. Yeah, with fruit, I do eat it raw. I don't cook fruit, for sure. I mean, they used to back in the early 1900s, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. It's great and juicy and wonderful as it is, yeah? So throughout the day, I start my day, because you asked about me personally, with tremendous amounts of water, right? And I flush, right? Maybe I have a green juice to alkalize the blood. Right? Maybe after that, I'm going to have a smoothie with a ton of leafy greens inside of it. Right? Maybe after that, it's lunchtime or something, I'll have a whole ton of fruit. Right? Like today, I think for lunch, I had six bananas. Yeah? And then later on after that, if you wanted to have a salad or something, and then later on in the evening, I don't know, whatever you had in the afternoon, if you want to have a beautiful cooked meal, sweet potato, pumpkin, if you want to have all of those cool Indonesian leafy greens, things like buckwheat are really cool that humans are eating today, um, and so on and so forth, you see? So throughout the day, I tend to eat lightest to heaviest, because what that's going to do is allow my body to use the energy it has to be alive, right, rather than go to digestion. If you start and you wake up and you eat a really heavy meal, right, that Christmas dinner kind of draining of your energy goes right there. And it takes a little bit of experimentation for you to feel this. Any kind of lifestyle or dietary change needs a minimum of two weeks of experimentation for you to start to find your own truth. And it has to be really clean. You can't do it half-ass and then expect good results. Yeah? Does that make sense? Yeah. Does it answer your question? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I would encourage you to clean up your experiments. Because really with anything, and that includes taking supplements, guys, you should feel a difference, right? Nothing should be wishy-washy. You should notice the effect that things have on your body. And if you feel so disconnected from your body that you're not sure about it, come back to Bali and enroll in one of the fasting programs because that's what we do here is we empower the reconnection to the body, getting back on the same team as the body, starting to listen to the body instead of covering up the signals that it's sending. You're so welcome, love. There was someone over here and then we'll get to you. Who was it over here with a question? Yeah? What is it exactly about going and sitting down so you don't have to eventually connect? Yeah. 100%. So the thing is that um, this peristaltic action, the muscular movement throughout the whole system, for most people, it's quite atrophied. That muscular signal is sleeping. And the reason for that is because we've said no to it so many times throughout our life. And so I give the example of uh, poop asking to come out. Like if you went up to our reception here at the yoga barn and you went to go ask them a question and you go up to the desk and they say, no, <laughs> right? And you're like, whoa, okay, and you go the other way. And then so in a few hours you go back and you try to ask the same question and they say, no, and you're like, whoa, okay, I'll go away. The third time you go and you're like, can I? And they say, no, and you go away. Well, the fourth time you're not going to go back because they're just going to say no. You see that? Same thing with poop and your colon. You've said no so many times that your body has stopped asking. And so that's, that's the case for many people. And so that little bit about giving yourself time and making time, um, interestingly enough, that's when I get clients who come back a year or two years or five years later and they're like, you know what, one, that one thing that you said that's different than what everyone else said that I've never heard before, 
that made the most difference was simply going and allowing my body, giving my body that time and space. Because that's what we do in natural hygiene, is we allow the body. And the body, again, it knows how to, and it wants to heal itself. It just has to be given the surroundings and the environment to do so. Does that answer? Awesome. Yes, love. Oh, so I actually, I don't recommend that you water fast on your own ever. Uh, I recommend that in the world of today that you're either supervised, um, that hopefully previously you're very experienced in juice fasting, um, or if you're on some kind of incurable chronic fatal disease, something like that, and then you check into a water fasting center. And if you go to the International Natural Hygiene Association online, um, they'll be able to show you a map of water fasting venues throughout the world. But the thing is that we simply don't live in an environment anymore that's hospitable to water fasting. It's been very difficult for me the past three years in Bali because water fasting is obviously my practice, but it should not be done on this island. We do not have clean enough water. The air is nowhere clean enough because we're so concentrated in an island. There's so many Wi-Fi networks here and electromagnetic fields going on. Like There's so many other factors. And when you go into a water fast, you're that much more sensitive. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit <laughs> to answer, but your question was how often or how long? How long? Okay, so can we apply that to juice fasting? And I'll answer it. Okay. Yeah? So how long should you fast? It takes a minimum of three days to start to get anywhere. Um, and then beyond that, it depends upon what you're comfortable with and what you're supported in. So um, in general in fasting, it's something that you start to build. So in like my do-it-yourself fasting lecture, which I recommend that you download off of my podcast series, um, you'll find that I recommend people start with skipping breakfast if you've never fasted before and you're on your own. Right? Do that a few times until you feel comfortable. And then skip breakfast and lunch. And I don't, I don't, I'm just going to be really politically correct. I'm not saying skip meals like anorexic style. I'm saying you know, preserve the fast. Instead of breaking the fast with that meal we call breakfast, continue the fast from the night in through lunch and then in through dinner. And then fast for a whole day. And then do that a few times until you're comfortable. And then from one day, you'll go to two. No, 100%. Lots of water. Lots of water. Yeah, juices and water. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It slows, the, the green juice slows down the fast and still gives the body nutrients yeah. so that you don't dip into such highs and such lows. Yeah. So go ahead and download my do-it-yourself fasting lecture. I think that'll answer a lot more of your questions. Yeah? Cool. All right. We're, so this is going to be the last question. <laughs> we're past time already. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, cool. So what happens? For sure.
Right. Right, but we had a lot more time to eat, and we would eat for much longer periods of time. <laughs> yeah. So um, the first part of your question, which is raw versus cooked, is um, it's something that would take me longer to answer, so I encourage you to come back next week or even write in, and I'll do a lecture, and then I'll post it on the podcast, and then you can hear the answer. The second part of your question is what I'll take as your question, which is why is juicing better, or what's the benefit of juicing? And the thing is that when we juice, we're putting the vegetables, mostly vegetables, leafy green vegetables. I'm not talking about juicing fruits. I'm talking about juicing leafy green vegetables specifically. Yeah. When we put them through this apparatus that's a juicer, it takes away all of the fibrous matter and it allows for the water, the plant blood, to come out. If we're taking that in on an empty stomach, then it can be absorbed within 15 minutes of when we drink it directly into the bloodstream. So that is the ultimate fast food. That is the ultimate blood cleanser. And that will not happen if you were to, say, eat a salad, whether it's raw or cooked. It will require digestion. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to say versus. I'm going to say do both. <laughs> right? If you're going to have a green smoothie, then often you're going to be putting in that green smoothie, at least if you're following my industrial green smoothie recipe, which I'm happy to post for you guys you're going to be putting in way more greens than you would ever actually eat. And so that's the benefit of something like a smoothie. But, um, yeah, that's a whole nother topic. It's a whole nother topic. Yeah. Um, that's not the same. Yeah. So the conclusion I'd say to your question would be submit the, the kind of law, longer raw versus cooked question for after, for later. Um, and that the reason that we juice is because it's the ultimate fast food. Yeah, no, no. Leafy green vegetables act like a broom sweeping through your digestive tract. They don't act like that as much if they're cooked. If you can imagine, like, the fibers of a broom cooked. <laughs> That's a fun analogy. All right, guys. You are absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for joining tonight. The conversation doesn't have to stop here. Um, I have a, an image up here with my Facebook page, so come and take a picture and um, join me on the Facebook page. It's meant to be a forum where you can submit questions. I post things there um, one to three times per day, new reminders, studies, facts, information about health. I'll leave out here also a bunch of cards, and then I have a mailing list here, and um, I'm just about to mail out my Christmas newsletter where I have... Um, a free yoga nidra track that I've recorded on there. So if you want to receive that, go ahead and put your email here or you can register via my website. And we do have just a few spots, I think, left for the January Detox Retreat Week and our next three-day fasting program, which there's a flyer there. It starts tomorrow. It's called the Cleanse Program. So thank you guys so much. Remember, you don't have to change anything at all. <laughs> yeah. Incredible people. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Remember, you don't have to change anything right away. Simply become more consciously aware. Tune in next time for more interpretations of our body signals. And don't forget to reprioritize your life around your health to live with maximum vitality.